But what they don't know, no, no, no Is we don't, don't care We're going, keeping on, keeping on going Till we can't go no more We're gonna ride, 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 ride Till we fall Listeners, I'm Alan Moore. This is Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM, loud and live on this Sunday night here with you in the Russian capital. Right, here with me in the studio, on my immediate left, I have Peter P. Hey, what up? Okay, and we have, to his left, we have Alex B. Howdy. And to his left, we have, and straight across the table from we have uh, Mr. Andy McLean. Thankfully not sandwiched. It's a very good evening Not sandwiched between two boys, yes. I, you don't want that kind of sandwich, the Alex it's B and Peter P sandwich. Right. <laughs> um, so, let's start off on what we have coming up on the show today. We have, a, listen, we have an awful lot coming up. We have, of course, Andrew Flint. He's talk, calling in from two men a little bit later on. We have racism striking again at the heart of European football. And the, we have our Euro, yeah, Euro 2020 qualifying roundup. McGregor, Conor McGregor, that is. Is he retired or not retired? And why is he retired? We'll come into that a bit later. Fan protests, a complete balls up in Dublin. Uh, we're going to see what happened there this past week. The playoffs are, well, they're, 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 they're there in the NBA. So who is winning and who is losing? But we're going to start off, of course, with the uh, Euro 2020 qualifiers. A great win. Andy, for Scotland. Terrific win. A great win after that tragic loss in Nur Sultan. Uh, a, a real you know, crushing win over a really tough side. Mighty, mighty San Marino. Yeah, I, uh, a 2-0 win. It, it wasn't exactly glamorous in any way, um, but predictable because the last two times we've met San Marino, um, it finished 2-0 away from home. But I saw an interview with Gordon Strachan, a former uh, Scotland player and, and very very famous manager in the Premier League and the Scottish Premier League who said he remembered it being nil-nil against San Marino and he stepped up to take a penalty uh, at nil-nil a lot of pressure on him and he realised that the person who was in goal was the man who drove the, them in the bus to the game 
Okay, so the bus driver for the Scottish team yes, was the goalkeeper. was the San Marino goalkeeper, oh, uh, right. which puts that result into you know some perspective. Well, I mean, an interesting side fact as well that um, San Marino, of course, was founded by a Croatian, Marin. So there you go. And of course, it wasn't that good for his countrymates because they went from a 1-0 lead to lose 2-1 against uh, Hungary and Budapest. That's that's a bad loss for Croatia. They're really on a downer since World Cup, aren't they? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Croatia started kind of well on the on the break, but Hungary then just dominated it. Every, every, every time Croatia get, got forward, they didn't have space, they couldn't find players. Um, and they just looked lost, and Hungary took full advantage of that after a disappointing start for, for them. Getting that win, that will really boost their confidence going forward. Yeah, we were discussing that last week. I mean, that, that you know, some of these smaller nations um, like Scotland should be made to pre-qualify. But I mean, they're now proving their worth. Um, Israel's win against Austria, that was a big because again last week we said Austria are on a complete downer because again you look at those countries in Central Europe, Austria, Czech Republic, Slovakia, um, and and uh, Hungary. I mean, there were all these, you know, a hotbed of football back in well the early days of football. And now Austria getting bet 4-2 by Israel. Yeah, um, obviously Zahavi, the, the Israeli striker who scored a hat-trick in sort of 30-odd minutes in that game. A lot of people wrote him off when he moved to China. But I think that proves that you can come back to that level and still perform to a very high standard. But Austria are in turmoil at the moment. They've had a bad 12 months, two years. And I don't really see a way back from them with the current pool of players that they've got. I, I think it, it's probably time for a managerial change from their perspective, maybe someone like Marco Rose at Salzburg but I don't think he'll be attracted to that job No, I mean it's, I think he's a hiding to nothing um, Of course we said uh, Russia did what Scotland uh, were unfortunately unable to do in North Sultan they bet Kazakhstan 4-0 so a, a terrific win for a, a Russian team that, you know and Kazakhstan were not bad but just Russia absolutely crushed them they just you know they squeezed the life out of the whole game Yeah we talked about a sort of direct brand of football that, play, uh, that Russia play on the break and teams can't handle some of their players and I thought uh, Cheddarchev Zuba were fan fantastic but the middle of the park was where they won it um, they were the first to 50-50 balls they looked like they wanted it and they used the ball well they didn't just hit aimless passes or panic when they are on the ball they were making sure they were getting it wide spreading Kazakhstan and using it that way and they, they were fully justified for, for that result yeah it looked very very good um, of course one of the ones that kind of uh, struck me was uh, Northern Ireland's win over Belarus they won 2-1 but afterwards there was an awful lot of uh, sectarian behaviour by Northern Irish fans and it, it's come back where you know they were uh, like we'll play the, 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 the audio clip a little bit later but the, the, the behaviour of these fans is really objectionable and it's a very anti-Catholic so it's very sectarian and you know, when you look at the cross in, in Glasgow, it's just it's a mirror image, isn't it? Yeah, there's very... I don't think it's many people. <coughs> Excuse me. It's it's really a handful of people that are doing it. But this thing is still very prominent. I mean, in Scotland, uh, you still have orange marches uh, that go past Catholic churches in, in parts of Scotland. And people protest it every year. The police are having to get involved. Um, and it is an issue. How you stamp it out, I think it's impossible because the videos that you see are often fans slightly fueled up um, after games um, and singing songs in bars and people don't think that okay someone could spread this on social media and we're going to be banned for life from the stadium or fined or it's just things that people have always done but now it's being given uh, uh, you know people that are against it are giving it a platform to show people 
what this is like still. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. I mean, because okay, well, we were talking about the Portugal-Serbia game last week, and uh, in the one-one draw, of course, um, this week. So I mean, that's you know, Portugal again, another team that have not really hit the heights. You know, and even Spain went away into Ali two 0 against Malta. I mean, it. You know, there's some of the big, big teams are starting to maybe regress a little bit. Even though we said that Germany have Germany impressed in the three-two win over Holland uh, this week. I mean, it was it was good for them. The Dutch hate to lose to the Germans. It's the one game that they really like are up for. But Germany just, you know, they looked that little bit better. Yeah, Germany, uh, very different tactics. And I, I, I tip my hat to Joachim Love for for trying it. He played two forwards who aren't forwards, so he effectively played two false nines and spread spread the play and got them wider. And it worked really well. The Dutch defence didn't really know how to handle it. Um, and you saw from uh, Serge Gnabry's goal, where Van Dijk was forced to go into the right-back position, kind of held him up, but never really put a challenge in, and the finish was spectacular. Um, but the Dutch defence just weren't quite sure how to get a grip, how to get to grips with it until it was already too late. The game was kind of beyond them. I mean, they obviously, they got back in it and then lost eventually, but um, they struggled to, to quite get a grip of the system that Germany were playing and I thought that shows the next level that teams can tactically take themselves um, when the pressure is really on them and the pressure is on Germany massively at the moment yeah I mean they had a bad World Cup showing uh, they were very lucky to even you know get out of the group in the World Cup so I mean deservedly so they had to try and change things around at home okay looking across Ireland of course following up that that wonderful win as we mentioned last week against Gibraltar winning 1-0 against Georgia at home uh, more for the fact what happened between the two games and before the games because the the uh, Sunday Times the English newspaper um, owned of course by Rupert Murdoch and the Sky Group they went after uh, the Football Association of Ireland especially the Irish CEO John Delaney and uncovered that uh, per year what he was getting I think it was around 360,000 or 300,000 uh, euros euros per year um, he also had his rent paid 36,000 uh, euros per year he was getting in rent allowance so I mean the huge scandal uh, should CEOs of, of um, football associations of the size of Ireland should they be getting such remuneration I think probably other football association CEOs are getting an awful lot more than that um, yes and no I mean it it, it, it really depends. I think it should be on a bonus-based kind of thing. If you're doing well, you get rewarded. But um, you can hardly say that at the moment with the, with the Republic's um, football and the situation. We mentioned last week that a bad start, the media could hound them. wasn't an ideal start, a rocky start, if you want to call it yeah, that, bad pun, boom, rock, boom. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, each, each, I mean, football's got so much money involved in it. Um, I don't see why it shouldn't be shared around the people that are doing the hard work in the background, if they are actually doing the hard work. Well, I mean, he, he, for example, part of his remit is to go out to the grassroots and he went around to, I think it was uh, 1,700 clubs. So he has the grassroots backing. Now, he's been moved from CEO to executive vice president and so on and so forth. So it's a kind of a, a strange kind of sideways move. But, of course, he's very high up in UEFA. So it's, it's an easy move for him. Alex, just, you know, when we had Alec Peters in, uh, we, were, you know, we were discussing a bit like paying college athletes. So, you know, should there be a cap on payments for executives, not just players, but for executives? Mm. Oh yeah, I think so. I think if you're doing any work for the team, I think you you should get some of the you should get a piece of the pie, so to speak. Should it be on a bonus uh, basis, as uh, Andy said? Uh, yeah, I think if you you know if you can do your job better than other people, I think like I think you should get bonuses for you know doing a good job. Peter, same question to you. I mean, should, should like for if you for example, he's getting three hundred thousand plus 
plus uh, 36,000 euros. So that's like uh, 3,000 euros a month for his rent. Um, and I'll put this in perspective. The winners of the Irish Premier Division, okay, get 100,000 euros. So the guy who runs football in Ireland gets over three times more. Is that fair? <laughs> Not at all. I mean, as Alec Peters, uh, the, the same example you just talked with Alex about, uh, with with, ath- with the college athletes, right? If if they're getting large crowds and like the universities like earning tremendous amounts of money, shouldn't get like they get a little slice of that, so to say? I mean, their t- they they're, they're, they have their name on those t- t-shirts they're selling, so might as well give them a little up top so to say. no that's fair enough I mean actually since since I show Alec Peters went out there has been a law proposed in America to pay athletes so they're actually so uh, uh, maybe they listen to us I don't know but a US lawmaker <laughs> said he's a big yeah, man I'd listen to yeah yeah I would <laughs> I'd be afraid not to um, but they have brought forward this plan so again um, you know if we look at it you know, if you're if you're head of a successful company and the company's making money and in profit, then you have to get a reward. But I don't know. Well, as Andrew Flint Flint said last week, you can only get paid what your sport is actually bringing in. Um, if the Irish Premier League isn't bringing in the money, you can't pay the players the money because the it it, it just doesn't it's unbalanced. But if the CEO of a national football association is doing X, Y, and Z extra and doing other things as well, he could be getting rewarded for that work that we don't see. We don't actually physically see what he's doing. It might be in 10 years' time that Ireland and football in the UK reaps the rewards of what he's put in place. We don't know. But again, this is it because all of sports, the same as the academics, media, it's, a lot of it is around politics and how you put long-term plans in place right, right away and you have to build, build, build. So the results might not be shown yeah, for maybe Germany, two, three years. Germany, for example, exactly, when, they, exactly. when, when uh, Klinsmann didn't get any of the credit for what he put in place with the German national team. It took about 10 years, 8 years, before it really started to... to to have results okay I mean if, if we also look as well say we were discussing last week women's sports and we got a few uh, we had a couple of messages we got in since the last show if we look at WWE okay no no we are discussing we are discussing before in the, in the women's when they showed you saw that they released the salaries the base salaries of the, of the uh, wrestlers or performers and the women were paid a fraction of what some of the men were being paid is that fair? Uh, well, honestly, I think in the WWE you see really like a huge shift in like attitude towards like women's sport because uh, before, like right now, like we have male and female superstars. That's what they call them. But before, when women were first introduced in there in like the in like the early two thousands, there was a male superstar division and there was an end I quote diva division and like they had like pillow fights. They had like two minute matches, so they had like bikini matches, like all that stuff. Now they're actually like at the same level as men, and I think they're on the right path. But I still don't think it's fair they get paid the same because you have women headlining shows and stuff. Are you saying a bikini pillow fight isn't worth more than the world title fight? <laughs> well. Sometimes, no. No. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, have a bit of both every once in a while. How many people would tune in for the pay-per-view on that? But you see, this whole thing, they used to have WWE or WF After Dark. And then they had, they had like, the, the um, there was a, a wrestler, a female wrestler. Well, she's a manager wrestler called Sunny. And if you look up Sunny, she was very, you know, beautiful blonde girl and all. And she was a, an athlete and a wrestler. Like she had quite a difficult time after wrestling. But one of the things was where she was like, oh, like, she's like, she was wearing a bathrobe and she flashed the wrestlers and the wrestlers were shocked and all of a sudden they got attacked and beaten up it made a mockery of women's yeah. wrestling it really did and I mean when you look at I remember okay China was an exception uh, Joni Laura if, but if you look at some of the other wrestlers I can't think of the girl the girl's name she was with the Rockers not the Rockers um, 
Oh my goodness. She was, I mean, she was very, very good. But if you look at the, the female wrestlers now, they're so acrobatic, so strong, and they're very, very skilled. They're pure athletes. They're pure athletes, and, and they, they have the same risks and the same dangers as the men, men will face as well. You know? Oh yeah, exactly. So now they actually have like the same matches as men have. They have like steel cage matches, like all that type of really? stuff. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen the steel cage. They, they had like, it was like Charlotte Flair, I believe, and... Uh, Rick Flair's daughter, of course. Yeah, and Sasha Banks, who's Snoop Dogg's cousin. But you know, I think like <laughs> it's nepotism again. Yeah. It's nepotism. Hey, like I'm, I'm not but, like yeah. Now they actually have like all that stuff, and then like if you, I'm, I'm not really a big WWE fan, but like if you if you watch a match, like they're actually there's some there's still man versus woman matches, which is like has nobody complained that women have been caged for these matches. Well, men get, everybody gets caged. That's, 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 just, that's how that's the WWE works. Okay, we're going to move past that right now. We're, we're going to uh, go out to the break. We'll come back to this in just a minute because uh, Peter P has a, probably an explanation of what's just happened to him in the last couple of days. Um, so <laughs> we'll have more about that, listeners, after the break. We're going to go out with a song from The Killers because we're going to have a nice little time to see him. It's called Mr. Brightside. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
social media. Facebook, Instagram, VK and Twitter. Text us on SMS, WhatsApp and Viber. Plus 7, 1053 Add this number to your contacts. You're going to need it. Capital FM, the one and only English-speaking station in Moscow. Turn it up. The one and only English-speaking station in Moscow. With Alan Moore. Welcome back, folks, to Capital Sports here on Moscow's Capital FM on this lovely Sunday evening here in Moscow. Now, we went out to that song, uh, The Killers, <laughs> Mr. Brightside. My apologies for my colleagues' take on the song. They weren't referring to the song, so just in case the killers are listening to this, they weren't just saying, no, 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 that they didn't want the song. They were just talking, no, 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 that they didn't want to talk about Peter's face. Exactly. We'll move on past Peter's face. Uh, it's hard wow, to. G thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so we'll move on past. Yeah, uh, we have capital punishment yeah. to come at the end of the show. So be ready. Right. Um, uh, we're talking about WWE, and one of the issue we were discussing with when uh, the equal pay between men and women. Uh, one issue I think that a lot of people don't kind of like uh, notice, and we'll come on to it later on. We'll talk with uh, Rob Gronkowski. Is the punishment that these athletes take? And a lot of athletes end up quite broken up and, you know, addicted to painkillers and so on. I think Razor Ramon was one of the guys, I can't think it was his real name, but Razor Ramon was one of the guys, many of them were like broken up and, and injured. Um, do you get paid enough? Do you get paid enough as a man or woman to actually do WWE, even though it is a show? Uh, well, I think that like it's also not only the punishment, but it's also you have like shows like every other day. So, and you're traveling like by car all over the country. So like year in and year out, so it just like happens. So I think it's also that, and well, yeah, I think they have a very like tough schedule, so you can't really see it. So for like a lot of W, for a lot of like people that don't like WWE, it's just like, yeah, it's just fake fighting, like it's all that. But it's like at the same time they have a very tough schedule, and so yeah, it's very physically demanding. Yeah, I mean it is because I mean they're, they're traveling a lot as well. I remember many many years ago to say, oh, he's he's got a private jet, and private jet, but. Uh, the punishment they take is just unbelievable. Well, to add to that, well, a lot of like the superstars, like the big names, John Cena and stuff, like they they have work outside of that. So like they have different business deals. I mean, like toys and stuff like that. Extra money they earn. So that merchandising. Yeah, merchandising and a lot of like different commercials as well. So I mean, what a price p- would you put on your body? I think that's the simple way. Because I mean, the, are you the, the, addressing that to me? Not, not in that sense. What I do at the weekends is my own business. I'll see you at the motorway. Um, <laughs> oh God! All right, quickly move on. Quickly move on. What I wanted to say is, what price would you put on the health of your body? Because when these players, when these wrestlers finish their careers, their bodies are destroyed. I mean, they they can't really do anything else. You look at there was a documentary with Mick Foley. Uh, when he was Mankind and what he went through in one match with The Undertaker in a steel cage. And, I mean, literally, although this is make-belief, if you want to call it that, it's a serious injury that they're they're really putting themselves through. And, um, you know, you're doing that on a near-weekly basis. Um, Yeah, I mean, it is is an issue uh, that, uh, like these these, these guys, it's the impact as well, and the concussions and so on. Um, You see it in all these impact sports, like rugby, like American football, and that's what they're going through. One of the reasons why we will discuss later what people mentioned about uh, Gronkowski retired was because of just the physical punishment he took in his position. So, 
Don't use the kind of same. Right. Listen, we wanted to, there's two things we wanted to, to discuss in this segment. One was uh, Conor McGregor, and the second was the heavyweight box. And let's start with the heavyweight box. And so there's three big title fights coming up. The three main title folder, uh, holders, of course, um, are Anthony Joshua, um, uh, Tyson Fury, well, he's not a Tyson, uh, title holder, Tyson Fury, and Deontay Wilder. Um, but they're not fighting each other. They're fighting other, let's just say, average contenders. Yeah, well, um, a lot of people are saying that like boxing isn't like what it used to be, or like like I wouldn't say that it's a dead sport, but it's definitely not a cinematic. I think purely this is this is definitely part of the reason, you know. Like Anthony Joshua is great as he is, like his like well, it's not him, but it's like I think his team is what they're doing is like avoiding big fights. Like yeah. his last fight was like a forty-something-year-old Alexander Povetkin. It's like same the graduate with, of uh, Ergesu. Yeah, graduate. The Russian State Social University, so yeah, let's just of leave that there. Yeah, and so, um, but also for Tyson Fury and uh, Deontay Wilder, the only next fight that makes sense for both of them would be a rematch of their fight. But that's not what they're doing. And they said they were going to have a rematch because yeah. it was a draw. Um, now, in fairness, I watched the fight. I did think, I really did think that Fury won it. However... I, may, I know that people felt it was like it was a bad decision, but I think that there could be a, a case to be made for the title holder to keep it. You have to to win a title. You have to go and win it. You ha, you can't, you know, yeah. uh, just edge it. And I think Fury went against himself. You know, this, for example, David Price, the former British international boxer, well, and even I think a title holder from Liverpool, he's fighting again. I mean, this guy's seriously brain damaged at this stage. But, uh, okay, you've got uh, Deontay... Well, uh, Tyson Fury is fighting a German guy, Tom Schwartz, who's not a bad fighter. He's a good fighter, but he's only... I think he's only 24, maybe, or something. So he's only yeah. on the way up. And while he's a big hitter, he hasn't fought anybody at all of note. Most of these German fighters don't. They mm. fight these, like, beat-up, washed-up Americans, uh, average Eastern European guys who basically come in for a paycheck. They're yeah. from Serbia, Hungary. So, you know, and I think he's only ranked, say, 40 in the world or something. Like that. So oh, yeah. it's not a really a good fight. From a marketing perspective, though, if you think that the World Cup happens every four years in football, in boxing, a big fight happens every six months. If you have big fights all the time, all the time, all the time, people lo it loses the appeal in, in a way. So if you have a year's break and then another big fight, everyone is then so excited in the build-up to it and more people will watch it because it's, more, it's talked about more. And that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, I, I think this is the moment we're, we're seeing where, okay, there's been a few big fights all consecutively, and then ones that perhaps we weren't expecting on top of that, the McGregor and Mayweather, etc. Oh. Um, so having a little break from that then reinvigorates people's interest when a big fight does come about. I remember the, the back in the, for example, in the 90s, uh, well, 80s, well, in the 90s alone, um, ITV, the uh, UK channel, um, had boxing under under wraps. BBC used to, and then the ITV had the middleweights and super middleweights, and it was a terrific group of uh, Irish and UK boxers and American boxers who and even European boxers <clears throat> it was a very competitive division so you'd like Steve Collins for example uh, Chris Eubank Nigel Benn um, and then uh, Rocco Gianni from, from, from and Duran from um, Germany and Italy brilliant fights and people stayed in on a Saturday to watch them yeah. You know, I mean, then you've got Harold. Gra there was Harold Graham at the time. So, yeah, I, I, I understand. I agree with. So rather than like overkill, um, they're doing it well because I think even if I'm looking at the, we're talking about UFC in a moment, but if you look at the UFC, I mean, the quality of the fights most of the time are pretty. From what I've yeah, you read tune out. You tune out. You don't even know they're on half the time. 
So yeah. Yeah, like the quality is. I mean, because they have like a they have like a new fight card every week, so like you can't watch all the fights. Yeah, well, well, so. and they have so many fights as well because yeah. I think when they're here in in Moscow, uh, a friend of mine, Tom Tom English. Um, who well you guys all know him he plays gay football with the, with the Shamrocks he he took his wife to it and there was one where I think it was one of us where the guy was just getting beaten and the blood was like flying out all over the place Yeah, I, I think he won the, the cards here in Moscow it was last year but it was um, he, as he said it was just horrific and he said the fight started at whatever like one o'clock in the, well no say four o'clock and yeah. then it went on till nearly midnight so it was like six to eight hours of fights non-stop oh yeah because like if you take the whole card that's like you're, you're in for a <laughs> You're in for a show this week. It's it starts like because it starts like the smaller fights and then works its way up to like the big fight, and so that take that usually takes a while. But like what I was want what I want to say about boxing is um, you don't really have like the like what made the UFC like I think greatly contributed is because you had like characters like and like Conor McGregor obviously like say what you want, like we can say what we want about him but he's like well that guy's an absolute character and that guy got brought in the views like the top five most viewed cards four of which were with Conor McGregor and obviously Ronda Rousey was yeah absolutely amazing but like yeah in boxing we don't really have like Conor McGregor type like athletes anymore now that like no those characters no. have gone the likes yeah. of Eubank and Tyson and yeah but honestly I think Vasily Lomachenko has the potential yeah, but he, yeah. He, he's, he's a great fighter. Yeah, if you he's see him fight, is just crazy. He's just like he's just like dancing in front of the person. He's like, I think it's, it's gone to the point where people don't really want to watch the fights. They want to it's it's the build up to it. They're, yeah, they're exactly. talking about what it is because I mean, I mean, Peter was threatening me earlier on downstairs about what do you do to my family. He's going to ride in like make me drink whiskey and just hold on. Like, remember you said like you were going to like. You did. What are you talking about downstairs? You were like, talking about like you know to, to punish me like kind of like you were going. It was going to be like. You know, treat me like McGregor. What? Yeah. Well, okay. I guess I did that. So. <laughs> it must be the damage to his, the damage to his face yeah. on his face. Yeah. So we, we the scars, <laughs> the scars are healing. But uh, no, I mean, it is that thing where people are like basically talking because some of the stuff that we say, like with with what McGregor was saying, our peer review, like we were joking about it earlier on, it's like where he said to uh, uh, you know the um, the Kazakh Russian German guy. I can't think of his, his name and he said like you know, you're a doper and you're Russian and then he said to the Brazilian guy I'm going to ride into your favela and like whip you and kill you like you know well like I'm pretty sure that I mean it's definitely for show he does it for show like because yeah. what I think what UFC got that boxing is missing is a good build up to it a, sh- a show so to say that's a, like attracts people most of the people that uh, tuned into the fight I bet they, they don't even watch fights on like Greg. They don't know nothing about them. They just enjoyed the whole interaction between McGregor and like, uh, like Habib whoever it may and, be, yeah, like whoever maybe. It's so, like a touring circus. Yeah, 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 much. like a circus. I mean, that is that is the issue because okay, well, let's let, let's talk about McGregor. So okay, he's from literally across the river from me, like in, in Dublin, um, and he retired. Said he's retired and he's got other things to do and so on. <coughs> he was arrested not too long ago in America wasn't for slapping a phone out of somebody's hand so yeah that's, that's, that's his like third like because like first he did the whole like Khabib like trolley like bus thing and, and then, that that seems so set up because anyway okay now he's going to fight Khabib it, it was like it seemed completely set up he flew all the way from Ireland to like in his private jet with his like posse to basically well start but also like fighters got injured inside that bus so like I don't, I don't really see to like the extent to which I got well like, I, I don't like. Got to make it I, look I good. Yeah, but it, do, it doesn't show the. Like, it doesn't show him in the best light though. Like, show him. If, if, he yeah. doesn't care. 
He doesn't care. He's oh, making okay. lots of money. I mean, have you heard of like the things he said? He said about Habib, for example, about like I know. Yeah. So because I mean, here we all we all know living here in Russia, uh, McGregor had a huge following among among uh, the young from the Caucasus, from uh, Caucasians, like say yo from Dagestan and so on. A lot of Dagestanis were so yeah yeah. You, you, Peter's shaking his face, but it's true. Shaking his head, sorry. <laughs> Not his face. Sorry, I'm obsessed with his face. Uh, You've got a little. Yeah, yeah, I think and, and I mean, he, he, like, a lot of people like, yeah, they like McGregor, like, because he's like, he's cool and he's a tough fighter. And then when he started talking stuff like this, it was very, he went places that you just don't need to oh, go. Yeah, well, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, you don't need to go, you don't need to go that low. And I mean, it's, you know, um, even the, the, the stuff with uh, Mayweather, I mean, that was just like ridiculous. It was theater. Oh, yeah. Well, it's also like, like smack talk like that in the UFC that's been going on for like like have you seen any of the the Chael Sonnen buildups? He was seen, like yeah yeah he, he was like when he he really wanted to fight Anderson Silva and he was just like the stuff he said about Brazil was just like insane. He was just like yeah I, I brought two like oh, I forgot their names I think Antonio Silva and they saw a bus and they thought it was a horse and they tried to feed carrots to it. <laughs> and it's like so you're just saying Sounds comics like whales. Like so, so there's like if you find you can you can find like a 20 minute compilation of stuff he said about Brazil. So like I think Conor McGregor just learns from the best. Of course it is. I mean it's it's all a big show. I mean okay so let's 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 look at this. So he was arrested in January in Dublin for an alleged sexual assault against a woman uh, in a hotel in Dublin. Uh, now the police are investigating it and charges are about to be uh, pressed. So yesterday this came to light just after he retired. Now. On top of this, he also had um, counselling for an addiction, um, and it was believed to be a, a substance abuse. And I think it's a kind of a, a white powdery thing that he was using a bit too much of. Now, I mean, I think it's I think it's difficult for him. Um, I think he, he he is finding it kind of tough to try and deal with it. But then again, I think a lot of it's to do with like the amount of beatings he's taken to his head. I mean, he's you know a, a couple of his fights that he lost, he really got. Hammered and choked out, you know. So it was a, it was a, it was a tough old time, you know. Um, he has retired twice before. I'd like to add, once from mixed martial arts fighting and uh, once as a plumber. Yeah, yeah. I think as he, a trainee plumber, as a trainee plumber, yeah. retired from that. <laughs> Quit, yeah. And then retired in 2016 over advertising for his whiskey. Yeah. Sh should he just like stay stay out of it now? Should he just resign? Um, Quit. Uh, I also don't like. Uh, I think he should. I think the best thing for him to do would be like come back, like win one big fight, but like at the same time, like what's actually possible. I don't like, think he could even beat Ronda Rousey at this stage. <laughs> I think she'd kick him around. No, but it's like even if they would have a Diaz fight, like you don't even know who's gonna win because he's been out for such a long time, then like you don't you know. Regardless he's setting himself up for a major paycheck if he does come back for one yeah. fight. That's the only way that I'm could be at I think that a lot of people um are thinking that this is gonna be one big paycheck, so one, one big one big paycheck. Okay, Peter, you could mean, like why would like he could make that he, I mean look at him he's practically built for like show business he goes into that starts doing like all these like shows and stuff he'll earn that money like I don't know like a, a couple like years and like there'll be I mean like why like he doesn't need to do this anymore I feel like yeah no I mean, he could do he do he could do it he could earn that fast money but he could also just relax sip his whiskey do a little whatever with snow. <laughs> snow. Uh, Jesus Christ! The allegations. <laughs> I was okay. We're going to go out to break. No, we no. do not share pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> from from one Irish show person to another Irish show person, we're going to go out with uh, Mika and Grace. Can we back after the break? Capital Sports.
with Alan Moore. I want to talk to you. The last time we talked, Mr. Smith, you reduced me to tears. I promise you it won't happen again. Do I attract you? Do I repulse you with my queasy smile? Am I too dirty? Am I too flirty? Do I like what you like? Yeah, I could be wholesome. I could be loathsome. Guess I'm a little bit shy. Why don't you like me? Why don't you like me without making me try? I try to be like Grace Kelly. Little Freddy, I've got an entity in Okay, welcome back to Capital Sports here on Moscow's Capital FM. I'm still Alan Moore. With me, of course, are Peter P, Alex B and Mr. Andrew McLean. And shortly we'll have Andrew Flint on the phone with us all the way from Siberia. Uh, when we were mentioning the uh, issues that Conor McGregor were suffering, of course, we, uh, we, 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 we did mention a substance uh, that you know, could be a, a, a chief cause, not just the punches and kicks to the head and the chokeouts and so on. So um, we'll just move on very quickly past that one. Um, now, we're, we, before we, we uh, speak with Andrew, there was a, a, a terrible issue this week, on uh, this past week, on Monday, where the England-Montenegro game, it was very, very clear that there were racist chants and abuse uh, against coloured players on the English team. Um, Andy, this is, this is something that's 
cropped up time and again in the Balkans uh, not just okay we know it happens in England all the time as well we know it's happened here in Russia but in in uh, Eastern Europe in the Balkans it seems to be kind of an ongoing issue yeah it keeps coming back and um, obviously the, the, the there were a lot of people saying that the sort of punishments uh, it wasn't just the England-Montenegro game there's another game before that that was also being investigated um, and this is something that obviously the fans see differently to you know it's a different culture it's a different way of thinking that they have um, but it's unacceptable in an international audience and they should know that because they've been punished for it before but the punishment is ins just absolutely insignificant I mean it's sometimes uh, it's not the individuals that have been caught that are being punished for it it's the football association of that country that's being fined I mean it's pittance really it's sort of um, under a hundred thousand euros normally um, and it doesn't detract people from doing it. The the only way that you will, especially in countries like Montenegro, where football is extremely popular and people want to go and see their team play against the best in the world, if you deny them from doing that, it might stop. But so far, it just hasn't worked. And time and time again, we see this emerging, um, more often than not, in parts of the Balkan regions where I, I don't know why they would do it, but you could see the reaction from the England players that this time... Um, we obviously had that incident with Danny Rose years ago that it wasn't really clear-cut no. whether it happened or not. It might have been just somebody had accidentally heard a chant in a foreign language. Uh, this one, I mean, Raheem Sterling's reaction was clear that there was abuse happening. Well, I, 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 can, I can say why do you do it? Because I've heard it before when I was working with Todd Split in Croatia where our fans were abusing AS Roma uh, players, uh, Brazilian players, and... Um, they were, you know, monkey chants, throwing peanuts at them, bananas and so on and so forth. I mean, it was just, it was horrific, like walking on pitch side and just seeing this going on. And when I asked our fans, why are you doing that? Like, well, it's going to annoy them, upset them when they'll play worse because they're very, very good players. I said, yeah, but we also have a coloured player, um, Munoz from, from Uruguay, a coloured player. What, like, do you not understand that actually gets him as well? And they go, no, 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 he's ours, he's ours. No, 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 we don't, no, no, he's ours. We protect him to our last breath. But the stupidity in that is that they, they couldn't see past that. And I've heard that even here in Russia. You know, yeah. I've heard it here in Russia. Yeah, but I think there was one game, um, was it the beginning of this season or last season in the Cup? I won't name the teams, but there was a penalty shootout where the penalty before, the team's fans were booing, making monkey chants at this player, and then the next person to step up from their own team was a black player. He's, what, what are you doing? Are I, I won't mention oh, right. Spartak right. <coughs> okay so we are going to go out to the phone all the way to Siberia to Tumen to Mr. Andrew Flint Andrew how are you doing? I'm um, not too bad not too bad thanks how are you going? very good listen Andrew just the, the question about the, the uh, incident in Pogorito last week uh, mm. or sorry well the last week yeah it is last week now um, I mean what like the UEFA president Sheffield he said it's a disaster you know um, how 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 bad is is it is, is it for football that this is continuing to happening um, at such a high level? Well, I think the major problem is the is the way it's dealt with. Um, it's it seems like a series of very very small flimsy sticking plasters are put on top instead of actually trying to address the wound itself. There's no point trying to tiptoe around it. It's a societal issue and the measures that are taken, these fines that you guys just mentioned. Um, you know, you, I saw last week, for example, um, three men were jailed for 17 years for illegal streaming of the highly valuable products. And yet you see clubs are fined 
100,000 euros at best, and more often than not less than that, for, for racist chanting. It just, the message is all so completely wrong. Um, and it is, a, it is a big problem. And football can't just pretend it's only a sport. It does have a role to play in it, but it is not just football that needs to do with it. So, uh, don't ask me what the answer is because I'm not entirely sure, but it's not a short-term answer, that's the least. Um, I mean, if, if we look at, I mean, the, the Montenegro coach said, oh, he, he didn't hear anything. That, that, that's kind of like the Arsene Wenger kind of excuse that, oh, I didn't see or I didn't hear <laughs> yeah. anything. Um, I mean, every, every coach will say that. But again, a lot of times, players on the field, they very often don't hear it if it's in isolated parts of the stadium. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, at the World Cup, I remember specifically and clearly hearing um, from Mexican fans really you know kind of like bad chance that then were translated to me by uh, um, uh, yeah. a Peruvian uh, journalist who's beside me saying my god I can't believe they're at this and there were, it was a homophobic chance towards one of the German players now of course nothing was done with this uh, you know at the World Cup at Luzhniki by FIFA because they said oh well we didn't really hear didn't understand it so you know okay monkey chants are, are, are clear if the, if the abuse is in English it's clear but it seems to be sometimes that things are let slide when people can't immediately mm-hmm. translate it well, I think it's uh, I, I think it's a cop out basically. Um, it's the it's the simple answer which it can't be proven right or wrong whether you did or did not hear something clearly. Um, but you know, today with the amount of experts that we have, um, you know, organisations like Fair who go into stadiums and inspect these games and have enough knowledge of local cultures and the habits and the, the insults that we use, um, it, there is no excuse whatsoever anymore. Um, but, but well, sorry, I take that back. There shouldn't be any more excuses. And yet, that is the sort of excuse I didn't see it. Well, it's just, um, it's so dispiriting to, to see such, a, such an attempt to wash their hands of all responsibility. I must stress again, though, I, it's not entirely football's responsibility, but they do have a significant part of it. Um, and just washing your hands like that is, is pathetic, basically, I think. Well, OK, we'll look at the Dan Rohn, a former guest of the show, uh, put down the UA, a selection of UEFA sanctions for racist chance uh, this uh, 2018-19 season. So, Greece, racist chance, partial stadium closure and €10,000 fine. Romania, full stadium closure and €50,000 fine. FC Spartak Ternava, Full stadium closure and sixty thousand uh, euro fine. Uh, Poland just a partial stadium closure. Lyon in France full stadium closure and one hundred thousand. There was no action against Chelsea despite the club condemning their own fans' chance in Hungary. So we're waiting until May sixteenth for this uh, Montenegro decision. But you know, in England we, we've discussed it before in the show that there's a growing um, you know this this, this vitriol uh, and this hatred mm. and racist chants that are growing, 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 and they're more audible and even behaviour by uh, in, well, just say English fans. Um, I, I, I it, it's it's a it's a should it not be now the players when they hear this they should just say sorry we're walking off the field. Uh, yeah, I, I 100 agree with that. Um, I saw I saw a clip of a player walking off from um, a game in, I forget which country it was, it was a small league, but um, this week he just simply walked straight off. Um, we saw Kevin Prince Boateng in Italy walk off the pitch uh, a season or two ago in a pre-season friendly. Um, and uh, personally, I, I would support that action. I don't think players should have to... You should have a thick skin in general in life, but I mean, this is not a thick skin matter. This is abuse. And by nothing happening, you're allowing it to continue. So 
if nobody's going to do anything, if nobody does anything, then I think players should be allowed to walk off. Um, I'm not saying it is the only way to deal with it, but um, I, I saw John Barnes make a comment actually this morning saying he doesn't believe it's the answer. Um, and he often is very intelligent, very eloquent with his um, his explanations of his viewpoints on this matter. And he goes for the long-term approach, which is essential. But in the short term, I don't think you can argue with a player walking off. As Alan said uh, a few minutes back when he was talking about his time in Croatia, he said that a lot of the fans were doing it in order to try and put black players off. Do you not mm. think then by a player walking off they have achieved what they were looking for? Well, you see, that's that's the uh, the, the impossible question. I think, in a sense, that's true. Um, you know, it is. I mean, the, you see, it, this is what I mean by you can't, you shouldn't be able to blame a player if that does happen because if, if in that short term situation for them um, I don't think it's I don't think it's right to expect them to continue to endure the abuse it, it, it should draw attention to the matter um, in a more direct way because we very rarely see especially not in high profile games um, if this actually happening in a, on a full scale matter um, so when that if and when it happens let's say in a Champions League game with a, a top team where the entire world is watching and a player does walk off then then it would be impossible for UEFA to ignore it completely you would hope um, but you do make a good point uh, and it's um, it, the, the fans have one in the short term the hope is that in the long term the punishment would come now we had it uh, uh, Alex here he, he brought up I think uh, about, oh, two three weeks ago about a, a racist incident in an NBA game where the player actually got engaged with the fans for the fan who was like given the abuse, correct? Oh uh, well, yeah, but but it's also different because in the NBA they're like literally like it's like five meters away. Here it's like here in the stadium, so like I think that also plays a role. But yeah, because I mean, I, it, like you could see it. I, I've seen it in ice hockey myself in Canada, where you know uh, some of the fans are giving abuse to a player in the penalty box and. The player in the penalty box stands up and gives the guy a, a smack with a stick, and then, of course, if the fan then tries to fight back, the bench is clear, and the, the, the players have been known, and same in, in basketball as well, we've known to go into the crowd to seek out people and give them a smack. Um, we had that, of course, the, the famous incident with with um, Cantona jumping into the crowd and so on, uh, and of course, it is a societal issue. Issue, and I know as Andy said, like you know, these, you know, if it's closed, it's a punishment for the fans, but you know. How 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 much um, this like the, the the fan behavior, where it's like chanting, and so we see it here in Russia where they're, they're doing their performances and so on, and same in Borussia Dortmund, and then they're all clapping, applauding themselves, and like oh we're such good big boys. How much is it, is it that you know we need to educate fans to like grow up and cop on and stop being such attention seekers? Well, I think it's uh, I think it's a very essential part of it, and there are some green shoots poking their way through here and there. Um, I, I always, whenever this topic comes up, I am reminded of a game at Kimki uh, Arena against uh, it was Tiska against Angie about two or three seasons ago, and there was a banner that was unfurled in the uh, Tiska home stand, uh, being very racist and derogatory about Dagestanis. And it was up for about five, ten seconds. But within a few moments, the fans around them dragged it down. They said, look, come on, don't be stupid. Um, and that gave me that gave me hope. But that was three years ago. And it's, it, I, I, I'm not sure whether it's 
a long-term effect or not, there are fan movements looking to educate others. And education is the only way, it's the only answer. A fine means nothing. A stage enclosure, it's, it's again, it's aesthetically pleasing for UEFA to pat themselves on the back, but effectively it does nothing. We saw um, that with, with, with Siska as well when they played home games Man City and they still had their ultras in the stadium. So this crap from the club and all the people around us saying, oh, like we're trying to do good things, it didn't work in the end because it still got through and they were still very, very vocal during the game. So, I mean, it's... Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, patting themselves on the back and saying, oh, UEFA's done a great job because we've closed the stadium. It's not, it's <coughs> not really sorting it out. Um, uh, Andrew, just one, one quick question um, on, 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 on this racism uh, issue. Uh, there are, of course, protocols. The first time referee, war- there's a warning given. Second time, a further warning given. And third time, then the match is stopped and, like, cancelled. Um, but, you know, you, you, like, you've been at lots of matches here in Russia. Have you ever heard the protocol warning to say, stop this behaviour, an announcement made over the, lou- the loudspeakers? Not once. Not once at all, no. Um, and the, the occasions when I have experienced or, or witnessed uh, racism in stadiums it's it's not been it's not been condemned in any visible sense now perhaps the players have mentioned it to the the referees themselves but i've i've never i've never seen that protocol in process it, the theory is good but i've never i've never seen it not just in russia but even on tv i've not seen the process in action. yeah exactly um, it's not just a russian protocol it's a protocol everywhere it's a it's a fifa then all down to every federation it, it i have heard it. it once here in but but it didn't directly say under what circuit or for what reason they were actually making the it's announcement sh- yeah, it wasn't yeah. clear but they did make an announcement that it was um csk moscow against inter milan um, in the Champions League or was it Europa League? Uh, that was about six, seven years ago. Yeah, and they yeah. made they made an announcement just at the start mm. of the second half, but it wasn't clear what it was for, and it was very strangely done because half the people that were probably th- doing th- it, th- they didn't th- understand it. Like, w- yeah, well, yeah. okay, that's that's the that's the key point for me. It has to be clear. You have to know about it, and the fact that we are picking one example out six, seven years ago, and even then it wasn't clear. That's the main problem. Okay, listen, we'll go right to the break. We'll come back with the quiz after this. So uh, enjoy this tune and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
Welcome back, listeners, to Capital Sports. I'm Alan Moore, and still here with me on the line, of course, is Andrew Flint. Across the desk from me is uh, Mr. Andy McLean and Peter P. and Alex B. They are still here. We're still trying to find out exactly what happened to Peter, but we'll find out a little bit later under capital punishment. We'll have to pull out some fingernails and maybe put a few more marks on the old face. Right. It's quiz time. It's quiz time. And last week, of course, I think there were only losers. There were no winners in our quiz last week. It was just painful. It was like... We dribbled to a draw. Exactly. It was like pulling plasters off skin or something like that. You know, no reference to Peter, of course. Um, so we're going to... Uh, we're going to go on. Of course, we'll tweet up on Instagram the picture of the, the team today. Uh, uh, Andrew, you'd be very happy to know that Peter is in great form and there's nothing wrong whatsoever with his head or his face. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Peter's going to punish me for this. Okay, right. Questions. We're going to start off with our quiz, of course. Um, before we do, we had a couple of comments in about the uh, Taylor Harris uh, last week, including a couple from Australia. Um, and one was quite interesting, saying that, you know, um, why are we bringing her up? Because, like, she's, a, a, like, you know, so on, a, a doper and so on. But, I mean, there was zero evidence for that in any case. And the people who were bringing it up were saying that, um, you know, we shouldn't be giving prominence to this you kind of um, you know, average Australian footballer and a wannabe professional boxer. So, you know, I think I think we brought up something very, very good. It's very interesting. And one point was made. There was a, a T-shirt made with that image on it, on uh, with her kicking the ball um, on the T-shirt. And the profit from it was all going straight into the uh, Australian uh, footballer, uh, women, female footballers uh, kind of central fund. And then the, um, I think it was the AFL said, no, you can't use any players' images. So there you go. Right, quiz time.